forward to it. And so thank you. We'll see you next week. This is John Kane for Let's Talk. I'm Ken Gale, WBAI's Tuesday evening environmental show, Ecologic. One of the cool things about being a BAI buddy is that you get to decide what WBAI is worth to you. Are we worth more than your cable TV or 10 bucks a month, 20, 100, a million? Just go to the WBAI.org website and sign up with your credit card. You'll barely notice it. In return, you get a WBAI tote bag to show off, free or discounted entry to special WBAI events and other perks. Another cool thing about being a BAI buddy is less fundraising interruptions to your favorite programs. Go to WBAI.org. You can donate in the name of your favorite show, like uh, Ecologic. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Let's Talk with John Kane. And as it was mentioned before, yes, uh, we, it is, uh, we are back, but <laughs> we're, in a, we're definitely in a pickle to, that's being polite of a situation. And part of that pickle is, us being uh, financially constrained uh, for us to do the things that we need to do here as being an independent voice of uh, the community of the tri-state area, and which means that more now than ever, we need your financial support. You listener out there, listeners, I should be plural on that one, listeners. 516-620-3602 516-620-3602 is the number to show your financial support as well as going to give to WBAI.org online. And also, you could text to donate texting WBAI to the number 41444 on your smartphone. And for those, and you know what, I'm just going to make this an ongoing thing. For those people who like to become, to donate and be analog, 
um, and to do it old school, as I would say. Uh, write a check or write a money order. I mean, I didn't even think about the money order. It shows you uh, that I'm forgetting certain things as well, too, about things. But, yeah, be analog. You can you can be a supporter of this radio station uh, as a silent supporter of this radio station. But just give the money. You can write a money order or a check and write it out to WBAI Pacifica Radio and send that check or money order to uh, WBAI Pacifica Radio, 388 Atlantic Avenue, third floor, Brooklyn, New York, 11217. And tell a friend or two about this station and let people know that local programming is back here at WBAI. Okay, I took enough time for the next show already, which happens to be Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons, uh, Jeff Simmons coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. You were just listening to John Kane and a wonderful pitch from Reggie. In fact, when Reggie was speaking and saying you can go old school, I thought he was going to say just take out that all that money that's under your mattress right now, put it in a bag, and bring it down here. And if Reggie likes the amount, he'll be able to put you on my show. That can work. That could be next week's show. We've, that's how we can book that. I would be happy to do that as long as you have opinions. I need listeners who have opinions. That's what we also like during Driving Forces when we each week uh, have returned to be able to bring you the best in local, state, and national politics. And as you know, there's a lot going on nationally, a lot going on in New York City as well. Last week, we spent a good amount of time uh, in our return show talking about the uh, announcement of a new police commissioner we had on some special guests, uh, the incoming Queens District Attorney, Melinda Katz, as well as Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams. Before we get to our first guest, I do want to again thank the Borough President because uh, for the month that we were off air as far as local programming, he was a champion of bringing WBAI local programming, non-commercial, non-corporate programming back to our airwaves here. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, no, you were leaning towards the mic. Oh, uh, I didn't know you wanted me to say anything. No, you were leaning in. <laughs> I mean, what you just said. Okay. There it so, is. So, again, thank you so much, uh, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, uh, and also New York City Council uh, Majority Leader Lori Cumbo, who is another advocate uh, for us. Uh, so, again, last week we were able to bring you some special guests, and moving ahead, uh, we intend to do that, including through this season, bringing you a number of progressive voices, also a number of individuals who are challenging long-term incumbents. That's something I want to be able to share more with you, and that's a little about what we're going to be doing today here on the show. But before we get to that, and, and our first guest who's waiting on the line, we'll have him on in just a moment. I do want to remind our viewer, our listeners, if you're just tuning in and missed the last half hour and, and missed what Reggie and John Kane and Linda Perry were talking about, I do want to remind you that while we were off air, that put a significant dent in our fundraising. We had just started our fundraising drive when on October 7th, Pacifica, a rogue faction of Pacifica kind of 
axed our local programming, and we were doing very well with fundraising. So it, it was a really significant setback. And if you're listening to this show, not just this show, but any show here means something to you, please give a call in. Please uh, pledge at give to wbai.org. The pledge line is back and working. It is functioning. Great. That number is 516-620-3602. And throughout the show, I'll make sure, and as we wrap up, I'll, I'll give those numbers and that website address again. But I'm what is called a BAI buddy. I give a monthly contribution. You can give $5, 10 $20. It means something to keep this local programming going uh, and, and be allowing us to continue providing you, our listeners, with uh, a diverse range of opinions and of voices and of programming, the type of progressive programming that even, as as Linda has noted on the show, and I've noted, that even some conservative radio show hosts have said, we need here in New York City. We need to keep us going, and especially as we look ahead to the 20... uh, 2020 presidential elections and the uh, what's going on with the uh, New York uh, state uh, uh, offices that are going to be open, and we're going to have one of those uh, challengers in here. Uh, he's actually in studio with us. I'll introduce him shortly. Uh, and also what is going to happen with the New York City Council and our citywide elected positions happening in that following year. We need programming like this to be able to bring these voices to you. So in studio we have, and we're going to come to him second, but I want to let you know Boris Santos is here joining me in studio uh, for after our first interview. Uh, Boris is running for New York State Assembly in the 54th District uh, here in Brooklyn, and we're going to come to him second, uh, second in the show, but first... Uh, there are a lot of primary challenges that are going on next year, including one in the Bronx and Westchester County, uh, in the 16th Congressional District. Uh, and Jamal uh, Bowman uh, is taking on longtime Congressman Elliot Engel, who chairs the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. And it is a pleasure to welcome Jamal to our show today. Welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And thanks for my uh, for waiting me out with this long description, but I really wanted to remind our listeners about the value of BAI. So thanks for your patience with me there. Uh, no problem. So I, I didn't want to give much about your background. Uh, I want to leave that to you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, you know, because I've read your profile, and you know, and you have a really wonderful career. And I'd like you first to describe that to our listeners. Sure. Uh, So I've been in education, public education, district public schools, not charter schools, uh, for over 20 years. This is my 21st year. Um, I started as an elementary school teacher in the South Bronx. Uh, It was a K-4 school, 1,500 kids, uh, 99% free and reduced lunch, uh, and it was the best experience of my life, uh, beginning a career as an elementary school teacher in the South Bronx, despite the struggles uh, with poverty and trauma and everything that comes with that. I worked there for about five or six years, and then I transitioned to become a dean of students at the High School for Arts and Technology, uh, where I served as a dean, teacher, guidance counselor, club advisor, coach, did a lot of different things uh, while I was there for three years. And while I was there, uh, part of my job was to uh, observe the metal detectors, observe school safety, working the scanners every day. Uh, And this part of my job really enraged me because we were criminalizing students for the simple fact of existing. And I had to do this every day, day, and I became frustrated with this job. And I decided, you know what, Um, I think I want to pursue school administration, and I think I have some ideas uh, regarding the opening of my own school. 
So I started taking notes, started writing down ideas. I uh, was lucky enough to get into a principal training program. Um, and while I was in that program, I got the opportunity to write a proposal for a new district public school uh, named CASA. I wrote the proposal, submitted the proposal, and um, we opened in September 2009. And I've been serving in the role as founding middle school principal uh, ever since then. Um, in addition to uh, my role inside the schools, uh, I also became very active in terms of education policy and fighting for education justice uh, outside the schools. So that include, included excuse me, um, fighting for more culturally responsive curriculum, uh, fighting for lower class sizes, fighting for more equitable education funding, uh, fighting against uh, the weaponization of standardized tests, and partnering with a variety of community-based organizations in that work. Um, so that's been my last uh, 20 years uh, as an educator and an activist um, within the education space. So walk me through your mindset when you first said, you know what, I need to I need to transition now to re- seeking office. What led you to that point? Uh, and where do you see, you know, your uh, competitor in this case, Elliot Engel, where do you see he's vulnerable? So I guess I would say my life and career uh, led me to that point. Uh, Quite honestly, you know, I've been a black man in America my entire life, and I understand what injustice and inequality looks and feels like because I felt it myself. I was raised by a single mom in public housing, um, and then we transitioned to rent-controlled apartments, so I understand the impact of policy on giving kids opportunity. And I have friends and family who, who either struggled with drug use and abuse or were killed in relation to uh, drug use and abuse uh, when I was a kid growing up. Uh, Those same things uh, have continued uh, into my adult life as I observe uh, the experiences of my students. Uh, We have students who struggle with poverty, struggle with housing, struggle with hunger, uh, struggle to deal with um, devices that enter their community without, without their consent, if you will, Um, Our kids don't bring uh, guns and drugs into their communities. They come from the outside. And it's policy that that has neglected uh, the resources uh, within these communities and and forced them into situations of concentrated poverty. Um, So I see all of this. All these issues intersect uh, at the doorsteps of educators every day. And Congressman Engel is one of many politicians who I don't see out front leading and really fighting for uh, our kids and our families who are most disenfranchised, and he's not the kind of leader uh, that needs to that 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 needs to build the movement that's needed now uh, to make sure uh, the most ignored in our in our communities get what they need. So um, it was a combination of all of that uh, that drew me uh, into running for public office. You know, as you're talking about education and putting our kids first, what is going through my mind, and I've not been able to read up on this too much because this is just breaking uh, earlier today, is the incident in which a student uh, on the West Coast had walked into school and shot a number of other students, I believe two uh, were killed. You know, if you have released an education plan, which you know mm-hmm. is is fantastic. I mean, there I Thank think you. were about maybe I think it was about two dozen components to it. I mean, it was a lengthy one. It is worth a read on your website. We'll get to uh, letting our our listeners know what your website is shortly. Uh, but when it comes to the safety and security of our students, what are the types of things you think? What are the steps that can be taken to make our schools safe environments? So we need to take a whole child, whole family, and we need to, to be very clear. 
that what's happening in our schools and in our communities are not the fault of the people who live there. We're talking about historical policy that has been racist, classist, and discriminatory against certain groups of students uh, throughout this country's history. So when I say whole child, whole family, whole community, we need to really focus on adult education, not just from a cognitive and academic sense, but from a social and emotional sense as well, making sure that how we educate our adults is trauma-informed so we could take into account the historical ramifications of their experiences. Whole child is the same thing. We have, in many schools, we have more uh, police officers and safety agents than we do guidance counselors and social workers. And we need to focus on the social and emotional development of students as much as we focus on the academic. So that includes more counselors, more social workers, more of an emphasis on music, on sports, uh, and the like to develop the child holistically. Not all children are going to feel connected to academic uh, achievement and academic excellence. They need other outlets, whether that's uh, vocational training, uh, as I mentioned, the arts, as I mentioned, sports, and also the social and emotional development as well. In terms of whole community, let's make sure students and children and families have the resources to not just survive, but thrive. I was lucky enough to grow up near Central Park, near Museum Mile, and my community was like a playground and, and classroom in and of itself. Our communities need more resources. We need to make sure our kids do not live in food deserts. We need to deal with environmental issues that lead to disproportionate asthma. That's why I support the Green New Deal. We need to make sure we have community centers, museums, bookstores, and, again, places for students to not just survive but to survive but develop themselves culturally as they continue to grow. If we invested in children more than we invested in weapons and war and Wall Street, we can take our democracy to a whole nother level, and our country will become a country of well-being, not just one that's overly focused on wealth building. Uh, and that's what uh, I mean by whole child, whole family, whole community approach. And you've also had some strong views on testing and, and uh, you know, w what reforms might be needed when it comes to testing. Like, when should students be tested? Do we over-test? Yeah, absolutely, we over-test. There's no research that supports testing kids in grades three through eight uh, and four and five times in high school in terms of supporting the closing of the achievement gap uh, or their long-term uh, academic achievement and growth. There's no research that supports that approach. Uh, if, if the state wanted to give a snapshot test in grades four and seven, let's say, that was one day, that was a quick in and out, just to provide data on how well a particular school in, or district is doing, uh, that's fine. But our tests are created by third-party private vendors who are using the creation of these tests for profit. They sell them to states, they sell them to school districts, they make a profit, and in the process, they rank and sort kids into classes, rank and sort kids into schools, attack teachers' unions as being bad, open up charter schools, and now what we have is the privatization of public schools. So testing uh, as a part of No Child Left Behind was never for the benefit of children. It was always for the benefit of private corporations attacking teachers' unions, ranking and sorting kids. Uh, that's all it was for. So I, we fought against the overuse of standardization, what we call the weaponization of standardized tests, because it doesn't work for kids. Let's focus on teaching and learning, and let's focus on what kids and families needs, need in alignment with the needs of the community. 
So uh, I live in what had been uh, Joe Crowley's district and is now uh, AOC's district. And one of the most common refrains I, you know, had heard in the wake of her uh, election was that Crowley had just been out of touch with the changing demographics of his district. So when you consider that Elliot Engel's been in Congress for or for three decades now, and you look at your district covering uh, Baychester, Williams, uh, Williamsbridge, Wakefield, etc., you know how has that district changed and the needs of the people, the constituents in that district? Right. So it's a majority minority district. Uh, number one, uh, the district is mon- much younger uh, than it was in the past. Number two and number three, the district is more progressive, uh, regardless of age. At this moment in time, with this president in office, with corporations having undue influence on our politicians, we need dynamic leadership. We need leadership from the front. We need leadership that has the ability to build a movement. Elliot Engel has never been is not that leader and has never been that leader. So we're talking about engaging with diverse constituencies who felt powerless against the political and economic system of our country. Elliot Engel has never been a leader to engage those people. And I, I've been blessed uh, in education. And my school is located in the district, by the way. I've been blessed to build and sustain strong relationships with children and children and families from uh, places that have been disenfranchised, and I've been able to work in collaboration with them to move the agenda in education. It's the same thing we're going to do in Congress. It's the same thing we're going to do to push a Green New Deal to make sure black and brown communities aren't disproportionately impacted and to make sure we have a federal jobs guarantee. It's the same thing we push in terms of humane immigration reform because if we're abusing children at the border and if we're building abusing children in other countries uh it speaks to how we treat our children here uh it's working with parents who have felt powerless to push these things forward and that's what i'm excited uh to have the opportunity to do and we've got just a few minutes left but i did read quickly that you also recently called for a, a repeal of the 1994 crime bill can you elaborate on that Well, the the 94 crime bill incentivized the militarization of the police. Uh, It it empowered them to target, disproportionately target communities of color. Uh, It led to the proliferation of many of the private prisons that have been built. Uh, And it continued the exacerbation of of mass incarceration, which started back uh, uh, 1865 as part of the 13th Amendment. Uh, what we needed to do then and what we need to do now is take a restorative justice approach. Again, we need to look at why do people commit so-called crime in the first place? When you force people into concentrated poverty, into housing that you've neglected for 30 years, and you remove jobs, job training, underfund schools, and you remove opportunities, what are people going to do? They're going to do whatever they have to do to survive. Uh, and that's why they commit crime in the first place. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we need to end solitary confinement, we need to end cash bail, and we need to end this practice of putting human beings in cages thinking it's going to rehabilitate them. If someone has to become part of a restorative uh, platform, if you will, we need to give them what they need, give them the education they need, give them the resources they need, give them whatever they need uh, to succeed and thrive in this democracy. And we haven't done that, we haven't taken that approach, and that's the biggest Harmful, most harmful legacy of the crime bill. So, uh, Jamal Bowman, we just have about a minute left, and uh, it's a question I'm going to ask Boris Santos as well about his campaign. Uh, but, you know, where can you tell me just a little briefly about some of the support you're receiving? Where have you been endorsed so far? 
Yeah, so we uh, we launched in June, and we were endorsed right out the gate uh, by the Justice Democrats. Uh, we were their first endorsement in New York uh, since AOC, um, so that was amazing. Um, since then, we've received endorsements from uh, the Jim Owls Club, uh, Brand New Congress, uh, Cynthia Nixon, Zephyr Teachout, uh, Sean King, uh, and forgive me if I'm forgetting one or two other endorsements. It's been a lot coming in. 350.org, excuse me which is an amazing environmental agency. Um, so there, there have been there have been many. We've gotten tremendous support. Uh, more importantly than that, it seems that the people throughout the district are really, our story is really resonating with them. Uh, it's really connecting with them. The fact that I'm a middle school principal uh, bridges the gap because they know I'm coming from a humanitarian place uh, regard, regarding all of the policies that I'm pushing for. Uh, so we've been very blessed and very thankful to receive all the support we've gotten so far. And uh, earlier I talked about the New Deal for Education that's on your website. Yeah. Can you tell people how they can learn more about you? Absolutely. Please go to BowmanForCongress.com, and that's Bowman spelled B-O-W-M-A-N, BowmanForCongress.com. Uh, you can click on issues. You can find the New Deal for Education, uh, which I hope uh, will inspire you to think differently about what our education system can look like, both at the federal level and lo- locally as well. Jamal Bowman, thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI, and I'd love to have you back on sometime. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate the time. Have a great day. So I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in uh, to Driving Forces this afternoon here on WBAI 99.5 FM. As uh, Reggie had mentioned at the conclusion of the last show, and I started off talking about, we are back with local programming, commercial-free, progressive radio, community radio. I like to call this community radio because we are a community of voices and of opinions here. We are based in Brooklyn, but we hear from every week we hear from people from New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Staten Island, all boroughs. I'm always happy when I hear uh, some of the callers say they're from Queens, where I've been for at least the last uh, 15 or so years. Uh, But uh, I've been a New Yorker for about uh, 25 years now, Reggie. And I grew up in New Jersey, and WBAI has been a large part of my life listening to this station for years. So I'm glad to be a part of, uh, of this family and community now. That's a good thing. So, and as Reggie had noted, uh, and as I do want to stress, uh, the, uh, momentary, I'll say momentary bump because we hope it doesn't happen again. This, uh, the, uh, uh, takeover of national programming for one month really hurt us financially because we were in the swing of things only a few days into our fall season of fundraising, taking in a good amount of contributions, which were suddenly cut off uh, for a one-month period, which is why we're uh, I'm making that plea to you. If this station, not just this show, but this station is important to you, spend just a few moments uh, today uh, to just go online to give to, that's the number two, WBAI. Dot O-R-G. Give to WBAI.org. The pledge line is working. And if you can become a BAI buddy, you can also call and do this if that's a lot easier at 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602. If you can become a BAI buddy, it's really easy to set this up. You basically give a, a, a monthly 
recurring contribution of five, ten, twenty dollars, whatever amount you choose, that's going to help us. We really want to get our BAI buddies back into our universe because I'm sure for a few weeks we all wondered what was happening, but there were a lot of fierce advocates to bring us back, and we're incredibly appreciative, and we we welcome you back, and we hope you stay with us. Oh, whenever you lean into the mic, Reggie, I always think you're about to say something. So, Oh, okay. no, no. I wasn't going to. Oh, uh, I, I'll say this. 516-620-3602. And uh, for those people, as I said before, that wants to send checks again, um, you can send out a check or a money order. Write it out to WBAI Pacifica Radio to this address, uh, 388 Atlantic Avenue, third floor, Brooklyn, New York, 11217. If there's been one positive in this entire situation we had to deal with since October 7th, it's the fact that you and I are reunited now for the show, Reggie. (laughs) Okay, I'll take that as a good thing. So if Celeste in Boston is listening, she's probably very (laughs) jealous right now. So again, you're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM. We're also streaming at uh, WBAI.org. You could always listen to us there. That's how I often do that on my cell phone uh, in the middle of the day. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we want to try to bring you more progressive voices, people who are trying to topple the patriarchy, people who are saying, you know what, there are electeds who've been in office for some time, and we feel that they are, well, not being as effective as they could be in representing the the changing constituencies of our districts. And joining me right now in studio, he's been very patient and silent uh, for this half hour, is Boris Santos. He's running for the New York State Assembly in the 54th District in Brooklyn, and that includes Bed-Stuy, Bushwick, Cypress Hills, East New York. He'll let us know if uh, if I've missed any. Um, I can give you more about his background, but really I'd like for him to do that. So, Boris, welcome to Driving Forces. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Um I'm really, really, really happy to be here, and thank you for being non-corporate, non-commercial, and sticking to your independent voice is how we get actually working-class people um, to be in office and actually advocate and be a conduit for working-class voices as well. So proud proud to be here. So I was about to give more about your background, but I'd rather have you talk a little about your family history and, you know, sort of like what we did with Jamal, introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are, and uh, you know, and then we'll get into your political and government career. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again. Um, so I am the son of, the proud son of two immigrant parents. My mom is Salvadoran. My father is Dominican. My mom hails from a small pueblo called Rosario de la Paz in El Salvador. My father um, from a rural community called La Jaiba. La Jaiba is crab in Spanish, and and they got that name because um, the first folks that settled there, um, moving, migrating westward um, from the Trujillo regime, um, closer towards the border of Haiti, um, subsisted on crab and and uh, while they they were migrating and settled there, um, and they were were able to build a community. Um, eventually, they found themselves. Um, and, and joined uh, forces at the local Western Beef and, and sort of uh, connected. And uh, eventually I grew up, um, I was born and grew up in Los Sures, um known as the south side of Williamsburg. Um, now there's more, uh, there's a lot of changes, right, um, in the community. Um, the rise of coffee shops in Hipsterville, some would say. Um, but growing up, it wasn't the same. Uh, I went to a public school um, in the South Side. Went to a, um, elementary school at PS19, now Brooklyn Arbor Junior High School 50, now co-located with Success Academy. So many changes. Um, uh, eventually, find myself going to high school and transit tech. 
um, at a vocational school, or now known as STEAM, Science, Technology, Engineering, um, Arithmetic, Arts, and Math. Um, and I wasn't always the best of students. Um, my my attendance rate was down to 70% throughout um, doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. But eventually I matured and was able to get into city tech um, to continue my electrical engineering work. Um, and that's what I was doing at, at uh, Transit Tech, um, uh, actually studying to become uh, getting hands-on applied practice on electrical work um and i graduated not only with a regents diploma but also with a two-year uh diploma as being an assistant electrician um so i eventually said let me continue that work and then this guy named obama decided to run and sort of changed my whole trajectory and whatever i consider his politics to be now and, and of course um, I have uh, more of a constructive feedback towards his presidency um, than what I thought then. Um, but he really was the, the you know, the, the sort of center of, of steering me after two years into City Tech to transition to being a transfer student at American University, my first private institution in D.C., um, and studying political science. Um, then when I came back to the hood, when I came back to Brooklyn, I couldn't find a job. It was the peak of the Great, great Recession. Settled for Best Buy, not too far off from here, right, on Atlantic Ave um, by the Barclays Center. And after nine months, I was looking at my girlfriend in my parents' household. Um, they own a home, a one- or two-family home in uh, on Saratoga Ave in Ocean Hill, Brownsville. And she was like, what are you going to do? We've been here for years. And I'm like, no, what are you going to do? You've been here for years. And then eventually I said, well, I'm going to be a teacher. Um, and so I'm honored to actually share the you know this platform as well with Jamal because um, Jamal Bowman because I, I I know what it takes to be a public school teacher a public school administrator um, and it's a lot of hard work we're not just there what, what yep. grade what grade yeah yeah so I taught out in a public school in Far Rockaway Queens um, called Wave Prep um, and I taught second grade for two years and third grade special education and after that time I sort of told myself you know what the four walls of my classroom aren't the end isn't the end all be all of my kids' life. Right. I have I'm not just in charge or being in charge of their educational and learning trajectory means also dealing and and, and grasping with poverty, with with kids entering your classroom um, hungry, experiencing different things like domestic violence. I mean, in one case, I would say that had a clear um, correlation to the speech impediment of one of my kids that ha that uh, that was his classification in his IEP, his individualized education program. And after uh, after that, I said, well, so if the four walls of my classroom isn't the end all be all, then I need to create more change. How can I get to fit uh, to kids um, and 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 really tackle poverty and and comprehensively, holistically try to make sure that they're growing up in social circumstances that are of high quality. And then I asked. Um, my local council member um, or the council member from my neighborhood at the time, hey, do you have a spot? Um, and that's Antonio Reynoso. And he said, you know what? Yeah, you could be, we're opening up a spot uh, as the Ridgewood and Bushwick community organizer. And that's how I began, began my humble beginnings um, into politics. And eventually I became um, the same overlapping representative um, in the state senator, Julia Salazar, um, who's the only open so democratic socialist in the serving the state legislature. Um, and I served her for nine months. And now I'm here, uh, uh, unemployed, pockets bleeding, but still uh, trying to do the good work of, of fighting for working class people. So I should mention, so Julia Salazar beat in the race. Who did she run against? She ran against Martin Delon, um, uh, who's been a senator for over a dozen years. And you are now running against? 
his son, Eric Delon, who served uh, in the state legislature, who's been serving in the, in the state legislature for about three terms, which is six years, and before that served uh, as council member for over a decade. So I uh, just, you know, you heard my line of questioning with Janelle Bowman. Why do you, it's very similar, why do you see him as being vulnerable at this point? Yeah. And, and, and the question is not just like, oh, he's vulnerable, let me, let me take an opportunistic chance. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. where is he not according to you then not right on the issues right 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 i want to say before i get to the the position of his politics are out of step with the district he's not even politically present right he's an absent voice when he has a clear position of power as an assembly member and i want to give just a quick example to that right uh, recently uh, many of your listeners probably have um been keeping in mind or or made aware of what's happening with the Churro ladies on Broadway Junction on the Myrtle Wyckoff stop. He showed no solidarity with these women, right, who were put in handcuffs only for trying to make a living. No solidarity. There was no out, no challenging of the governor <laughs> who's quote-unquote the left based on him, but I, I stare at myself in the mirror and, t and tell myself that every day. His decision to add 500 additional cops to the subway, where are you at? Where do you stand? Right? And this is not just a question that, but also in the community front, there's a lot of people struggling out there and good work. And we know why. We know why. We know who you're beholden to. I can point to your donors, and I will, and I will make the case. But if we stand there, you not being politically present, I don't, I don't even have to move to like your politics are artist up because you're just not being out there for people that need you to be a strong voice in a community where one in 100 people get incarcerated in East New York or Cypress Hills, where 27 public schools are owed $27 million due to the campaign for fiscal equity, um, and on and on and on. I could point to myriads of cases where I just am not satisfied by my represent my representative. So let me step back just slightly because this still continues to be a big story that's ongoing with the woman who had been handcuffed mm -hmm. uh, selling in the in the subway station. What do you see as the solution? How should that have been handled? Or moving ahead, what should be done? Yeah, I think um, and I and I tweeted about this my millennial self, <laughs> um, and I said, look, comprehensively, this is what we need to do. We need to make sure we um, take back the funds that were allocated for these 500 cops, right? That's not a priority for our communities. Um, rather, it should go into increasing and augmenting uh, the quality of services in the subway. That's one. Two, um, we need to lift this cap when it comes to vendors, right? There's only 2,800 full-term vendor licenses, and that's been the case for over two decades in the city. In a, in a city where there's over 8 million people living, you only have 2,800 full-time licenses? What are we doing here? And then three, we need to decriminalize um, <laughs> we need to decriminalize poverty, right? We're, we're criminalizing it now, and or, or we need to decriminalize the way we enforce poverty, and like that means, particularly with fare evasion, we're, what we're doing is we're charging high fines, and, and Assemblymember Dan Quartz introduced a bill which says, hey, if you, if you were caught in the act of fare evasion, you will pay the actual price of that ticket. And we need to support that bill, which is A1720. There's no sponsor in the Senate. Um, and I like to be really constructive with these ideas, right? I like to point to what the solution is, not just as an idea, but as a bill. 
and something that's already been established because you have to honor that credit, right? Folks work on these on these legislative proposals. So I want to let our listeners know that in about two minutes, and Boris is going to stay here through the end of the show, and I'm going to put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to call in starting in about another two minutes, the call-in number is 212-209-2877. If you want to weigh in on anything that Jamal Ballman had talked about or that Boris is talking about, or frankly, if you want to give us your opinion on what you think has been going on uh, with the impeachment hearings, because they continue again uh, tomorrow, uh, what you thought of yesterday, did this affect your opinion? I'm really curious on that uh, and looking forward to tomorrow actually getting a few hours to watch uh, some of this testimony rather than just watch the recaps with the highlights. But again, that number is 212-209-2877. And uh, in the meantime, I want to go back to Boris as we're waiting for the calls. Uh, you had touched on this. Were you alluding to the fact about uh, being controlled by Rebney or real estate interests? Was that what you were referring to with Delon? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you look back to uh you know, pre his 2019 uh, financial disclosures, you see thousands and thousands of dollars coming in from real estate. Also, he doesn't have to be happen to be just the assembly member. He's a district leader, something that's that many folks don't know about. And and a district leader is a county player within your county's Democratic Party um, or or your your county's party. In this case, the Democratic Party, which is um, what we're both what we both are members of. And through that, he reaps benefits from judges, right? From folks that that are usually tied to county, um, including clerks, etc. Um, so you see all of that in his in his um, filings. And you know what you don't see, Jeff? You don't see Mr. Camacho, who's the chair, community board four chair, giving to his campaign. You don't see Mr. Barnes, who's the president of Cooper Block Street Associations, giving to his campaign. You don't see normal voices that are working folks in the community giving to his campaign. But you know where you see them going to? You see them giving to my campaign because I'm truly trying to run a a campaign that's grassroots-led, that speaks towards the issues of our people. And that's the difference in our politics, right? Mama always told me, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Well, the best way to show me who your friends are are looking at your filings and you see some really, really funny looking or some funny money friends in his filing so very quickly and then we'll go to our first call where will you not take money from yeah i won't take money from uh for-profit real estate corporate uh corporations yeah okay we've got a a listener on the line welcome to wbai's driving forces you're on the line okay thank you for being back on the air i think Uh, we are um, (laughs) thank you i didn't hear the beginning but did someone mention jamal bowman was he there Yes, he was on the first half of the show and talking about his campaign and about education issues he cares about. I'm sorry, I, I missed that. I just tuned in late, but I happen to work with him, and he's a good person. So I just want to give a shout-out. I'm sorry <laughs> I missed his presentation. Well, I will say that if you go to uh, the WBAI website after every one of our shows under Programs and then Archives, you'll be able to listen to the entire show. Okay, Mr. Bowman, rooting for you. Thank Thank you so much. 
So uh, as uh, the number to call is 212-209-2877. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM's Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. In studio today is Boris Santos. And as our listeners know, I am making every effort to have guests in studio as much as possible and when possible to take your phone calls. So uh, Boris is running uh, in the 54th district in Brooklyn. We've been talking about the differences between his, uh, mindset and the, uh, and the incumbent, Eric, uh, Delon. Uh, you were recently endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America. Mm-hmm. Talk a little about the, the key issues that they believe in that you are going to be pushing for through your campaign. Yeah. I want to say, um, this is the first endorsement in um, my campaign, and it's actually one of the most proudest I'll probably be on eventually, even after the dust settles in, in the entirety of the campaign. And that's because I view myself as a democratic socialist. I'm proud of it. Um, I'm super um, uh, explicit about it um, and outward about it. I'm an anti-capitalist, and for me that means that our system has hinged on this uh, economic system of capitalism, and due to it, Many, many folks, a lot of folks, folks that live in the margins have been exploited. Um, and and we, we could date that back to slavery, a mindset of exploitation. Right now, I think that the mindset of having the convention of your housing being structured on a landlord-tenant basis also allows for exploitation. Why can't we move to a model of collective ownership where the land is 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 something that belongs to the community, where we have tenant-owned homes, where we see the one- or two-family homes not being something that should be targeted and fall prey to real estate corporations and speculators, which is what's happening in Cypress Hills. Um, You see a lot of real estate solicitors going out there and harassing our folks, right? And instead, what we should be saying is, look, if a home goes for sale, the first people that should have the right to purchase those homes are the people that live in them. Given the uh, given the president's and his administration's actions on immigration, do you feel like a lot of your constituents feel safe these days? I would say no. I, I would say, and and and, and you know, it, a lot of a, fo- a lot of folks that uh, fall prey to the hateful and, and bigoted, um, you know, policies of the president. Um, are working class one and 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 in being working class they they pay taxes some of them and um don't get representation um and and to be honest bushwick um specifically and and east new york cypress hills as well um but there's a lot of foreign born residents there and for me and in ridgewood there was a tank that showed up um from ice recently in that neighborhood and you see all of these things and guess what happens in these streets you know things operate through chisme through bochinche or through word of mouth right and and what happens is then the entire village if you will says oh man be careful of ice oh man be careful of 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 these agencies of government and some folks don't know how government is structured right so if they see ice or they see another agency they usually say these are the same folks and i should be very reserved about how i approach them or how i'm approached and what i do in that case and they don't feel safe and what we need to do expand the rights of our undocumented give them the right to vote in fact, I was going to say, if elected, what are some of the measures or what are some of the steps you could take uh, to show support and bring back, you know, more 
of a sense of safety yeah. and, uh, and security among your constituents. Yeah, and and and, and part of the reason why I'm running is because I think I have the best vision for our community and and for all the buckets of policy, whether it be criminal justice, housing, education, go down the line. Um, And particularly when it comes to immigration, I want to be sure that we kick ICE out of our courts. I want to be sure that their rights are expanded, right? If you want to become a teacher and you're undocumented, you can't right now get that professional license. We should be able to allow them to get um, a professional license. Um, Big Shout out to uh, Senator Gustavo Rivera, who's introduced a bill um, called New York is Home Act, which is the gold standard pro-immigration bill that gives um, that would give undocumented folks um, the right to vote. That would give undocumented folks the right to have these licenses. Um, and, and totally that would mean us fully being a, a sanctuary state. Um, so there's a lot of work to do, um, including also um, restricting the sharing of information between NYPD and ICE, super important. So these are all things that uh, I think it'll take time because our legislature, you know, as you can tell based on the, the fights that were had with the DREAM Act and, uh, you know, and, and driver's licenses, it's going to be a hard lift, but we, but it's a lift worth climbing it's a lift that we need to uh, it's a hill worth climbing and it's something that that we must do you know it's interesting because one of the stories that were was flagged to me today had been on how a number of uh county clerks i i don't think Mm -hmm. any of them were here in new york city uh county clerks were resisting providing driver's licenses Mm -hmm. um where do you see this going yeah um the law is there for you to enforce and it's funny because most of these forces what a reactionary forces, to be frank, um, only want the law applied where they want it to be applied, right? And and this is the law. Our legislature changed hands to a true blue Democratic state senate, a full body, a full body legislature, and this is what is actually progressive nowadays. This is just the standard, right? I, I don't. I, I'm trying to use less and less of the word progressivism. Um, I feel like that's becoming the new center, and, and I view myself as a socialist. Um, and, and we need to advocate more. We need to move forward with ideas, right? What, where they're where they're arguing of like, I won't I won't enforce the law. That's the thing of the past. You should be doing that because that's what's on the books right now. And if not, then get out the way, and we'll put people that that will be able to do that. So you're listening to Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, your host on WBAI 99.5 FM with uh, also streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm joined in studio by Boris Santos, who's running for New York State Assembly here in Brooklyn, challenging uh, incumbent Eric DeLon. Uh, you know, we in talking about some of the issues facing immigrants, the Supreme Court heard uh, testimony this week. And according to reports, it seems like they're ready to overturn uh, DACA. Uh, if I have that correct, uh, you know, what have you been hearing from your constituents uh, who may be impacted by this? Yeah, um, it, it, I ha- you know what? I, I generally want to make a statement. I, I, I read voraciously every day and, and, and really just dive into content. And I try to stay away from the federal level just because otherwise I'll It'll go into into rabbit holes. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's very extensive. Um, so. Um, I, and I view my, myself just in a change capacity that the state and the city level, particularly the state level, is the biggest area where you can create change. And it takes so much to create change at the national level. Um, we need 
we got AOC in, great. We need so many more AOCs um, in order to really overturn things, make the Green New Deal happen, make sure that we continue DACA. TPS was really big in the district, uh, temporary protective status um, for for Salvadorians um, along with others. Um, and, and the district is mostly, again, uh, working class, um, some a good amount, uh, upwards of a third, foreign-born, and um, wherever they see reactionary stances, they're going to push back and they're going to they're going to signal concerns and and also protests. And we've got just a few minutes left, and I do want to go back to something that back in September, at least uh, throughout a number of our shows here on WBAI, and I know on the other show I work on, City Watch, we did this throughout the entire month, was we focused a lot on climate change issues. Mm. And that is something that, from looking at your website, you have uh, felt very uh, passionately about. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and I'm trying to coin an op-ed to really comprehensively show where where I'm at with regards to climate change. Look, the state legislature currently passed um, the uh, CCPA, Community Climate um, Protection Act, or for, or they added the the L in the acronym uh, uh, Community Leadership Climate Protection Act, uh, which really is just a, a a bill that sets benchmarks. That and says that by 2050 we will have carbon. We will not have carbon emissions in our state. Um, and and that's just a framework bill, right? That sets up a climate action council members that will foresee and monitor where we're at in in accomplishing this goal, right? But we need more. We need teeth to this. We need true investment. New York Renews is advocating the coalition to help push for the CCPA or CLCPA. Um, is advocating for at least a one billion dollar investment. To all to to go towards ensuring that we go we transition to renewable sources of energy and 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 um, that's just the bare minimum we can do. I I feel like we need to start using eminent domain again to take over land, particularly in the industrial business zones. There's 21 industrial business zones that uh, were carved out carved out in the city during Bloomberg's terms um, that are protected manufacturing zones. In those zones, there are many warehoused or vacant buildings that we that serve no, 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 none at all uh, purpose um, and it's just sitting there withering away. And we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of our land in, in a city where there's shortage of public land. Take that. Use that to create green jobs. Also, we need to incentivize the creation of green jobs, right? We have a film tax credit that incentivizes filming in New York State and bringing those jobs here. We need to incentivize green jobs in, again, the IBZ, industrial business zones, manufacturing zones. We need to make sure that we're taking land to also expedite that process. We need to make sure that we're, we're renting buildings, Right for a high amount, and I, I can show you some cases where renting buildings for a super high amount, millions of dollars a month, that we're not getting our bank for our buck as a city and a state there, that we're purchasing the building completely. Um, and, and, and we need to make sure that we go towards a model of public, uh, of public control. Right. In order to expedite, we see National Grid and this whole case of uh, of a moratorium because supply will is uh, demand is exceeding supply. Get out of here. And you're seeing that after the state rejected your application to extend the Williams pipeline. Um, no, you need to be controlled by the government, by the people, um, and, and, and make sure that all of your profits, all every single dime is going to a green future for our state. And really, 
Um, people look at me and they're like, eminent domain, Boris. I'm like, yeah, look, Robert Moses used it for his racist purposes, and that led to displacement of people of color. We need to make sure that we're using it to tackle the crises of our time. So, uh, Boris Santos, I've got just about a minute left with you because I also want to remind our listeners about our fundraising drive. Final thoughts also, and how can people learn more about you? Yes, thank you, thank you um, uh, so much again. Please visit uh, my website, Santos for Assembly. That's Santos, S-A-N-T-O-S, for F-O-R, assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y.com. Um, please look at our platforms. There's certain platforms pending because I'm trying to be very thorough. And even in being thorough, um, we, we still leave things behind. There's no platform that's set in stone. Um, and everything is always a work in progress. But, um, I'm, I'm glad to be on, Jeff. I really, really appreciate it. Um, stay true to your colors of being independent, non-commercial, non-corporatist. I will try to do the same as well. And I'm going to give 150% to that cause. Yeah. And, and, and you could also become a BAI buddy, which is what I also <laughs> want to remind our listeners about that, uh, it is really important to be able to show your support for BAI so that we can overcome the financial problems that we experienced by not being able to fundraise mm-hmm. when our na- our local programming was taken over for a month. Please go online to give to wbai.org. Uh, again, that's give to the number two, wbai.org. You also can call our pledge line at 516 620 3602. Again, that's 516-620-3602. I thank you for tuning in to Driving Forces. Please stay tuned now for the news with Paul DiRienzo. DJ Baby K from The Sweet Spot. On the go, but want to support the station dedicated to you, the listener? No problem. Simply dial 41444 and text TRANSMIT995 to make a pledge by text. Support WBAI's unique voice and keep us on the air during this critical time. Once again, dial 41444 and text TRANSMIT995 to make your pledge. Thanks for supporting listener-sponsored community radio, WBAI 99.5 FM. Yes, the writers are diligently working on the first parts, and the core of the audio drama has been done months ago. So, we, of course, are sorting through the various possible endings. You just have to be patient, waiting and contemplating. The date, Saturday, November 16th. The time, 4 to 6 in the afternoon towards the evening hours. Only over WBAI 99.5 on your FM radio tuner and WBAI.org. Prepare yourself.
This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM for those people who haven't figured that out already and WBAI.org online. We are the previous program was Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons heard Thursdays at 5 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI evening news coming up at the 6 p.m. hour, followed by um, uh, Justice Matters with Bob Ganji at 6.30 p.m. But I just wanted to remind people that, uh, yes, we are back with local programming. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that right now. But I need you, the listening audience out there, to tell people that we are, are back on the air because it, it has come to my attention is that not as many people um, have uh, figured out that uh, WBAI's local programming is back. And so if we rely on you, the listener, on that aspect to tell a friend or two about this radio station um, returning to local programming. Also, we are in a fun drive mode here. And uh, the approach that we're taking at this point right now was a little bit uh, one would consider it unconventional in our standards, by our standards, uh, because usually the pre- uh, premiums, will be based on the fun drive, but we're trying to rely on the listeners and trying to really, really talk about the importance of the station itself, the content that we provide you here on um, on a regular basis is the premium itself. And if you approve, or for that matter, uh, disapprove of what material that is being um, shared amongst 